This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And this episode is sponsored by Destinations International, an organization that recognizes and advocates the importance of cultivating a unified travel industry where everyone is welcome, where there is equitable access for all, and to help reshape existing power structures so that systematically marginalized voices and perspectives are heard and valued. And to this end, DI has just released the first ever EDI assessment tool designed for DMOs to understand how equity, diversity, and inclusion have been incorporated into operational procedures as a basis to improve and integrate performance. To learn more, go to the homepage of destinationsinternational.org and click on the EDI link. And now it's on to our show. Pam Seidel has served as the Executive Director of the Fox Cities Convention and Visitors Bureau since December of 2012. She's been a member of the CVB staff since 2002. Prior to her tenure with the Fox City CVB, Pam held positions in marketing as well as industry and government affairs at Schneider National and at Tri-County Distributors and Anheuser-Busch Wholesaler. She's a board member of the Heart of the Valley Chamber of Commerce, a member of the marketing committee of the Fox Valley Memory Project, a past president of the Rotary Club of Nina, and a past board chair of St. Mary Catholic Schools. She is a graduate of the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh with a degree in journalism. And Pam Seidel, welcome to DMOU. Thank you for having me, Bill. Oh, absolutely. And the reason for this, I mean, well, there are countless reasons, and we'll get to those in your three questions. But I got back from Destinations International, it wasn't more than a couple of weeks, and across my news feed, I see this amazing story. You won a world championship for Appleton and the Fox Cities. Now, world championships are generally reserved for tier one cities like Los Angeles, London, Atlanta. But a few weeks ago, Appleton, Wisconsin, named the host of the 2022 World Axe and Knife Throwing Championships. So your first question, how does a tertiary market, albeit with an international airport, pull off the world championships? You know, we are so excited to have this. And I think you have to sort of look for the unique and unusual but also know your niche and know your destination. You know, we are a tertiary market. The city of Appleton itself has a population of about 78,000 people. Our metro, we represent 19 communities in parts of three counties. So our metro is about 250,000 people. This event previously has been hosted in Fort Worth, Minneapolis, Atlanta, and Tucson. Yeah. So obviously we are substantially smaller than those markets. And yet my sports marketing staff identified this event simply because of a lot of things that we look at when we go after any pieces of business. Do we have a motivated local host? And do we have a, a destination that the event um, would be amenable to? And we knew we were perfect for them. Our physical setup is perfect. It is two miles from Appleton International Airport to the host hotel and the Fox Cities Exhibition Center. So, you know, you could walk it if you wanted to. Obviously, most people would Uber it, but you could walk it. We have a smaller convention center that's attached to the host hotel. Downtown Appleton is extremely walkable and very friendly to groups in the downtown. One thing this group was interested in is brew pubs. 
And we have a five of them within walking distance of the host hotel. <laughs> right. So, Which has always been something that amazes me is I have an ax in my hand and a beer in the other. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah. So and I, you know, I think with an event like this, uh, you have to, first of all, also know that your community will be amenable to the type of event. And the city of Appleton proper, the Fox Cities, our communities have always been very welcoming and open-minded. Uh, we have a great local host. Um, Appleton Axe is a local attraction, and they were so motivated to get this event. They knew that they would could showcase their downtown and our community would, would welcome this group. So I think we put a lot of the, the things in the right place. And then it was really just about you know, going out and asking for it. And I think sometimes when you come in as a third tier destination, you get attention just because people go, what, wait, where? <laughs> and, um, and then you just wow them with the package that you can present to them. Well, and that's what their CEO said in the article that I read was that they were blown away by your pitch and how much you wanted to welcome them to the Fox Cities. You know, when we really do this, we listen to what they want. We have the time to spend. We have a dedicated staff. And we really listen to what they needed and just put together the, the right package for them. You know, we, we tend to not go after business. We know we can't host and do an exceptional job. We go in with a mindset every time. We're going to knock this out of the park or we're not going to do this. And also we were able, because we are a smaller destination, uh, we were able to afford them our time and attention it's easy to get your partners on board for something like a world championship. But we even went as far as, you know, checking with the city of Appleton, uh, police department, security, just to make sure this was all going to be, you know, everyone was going to be comfortable with this concept. And actually everyone loved the idea of hosting it in downtown Appleton. And so one of the uh, determining factors also, beyond the fact that you had a great bid and you worked for it hard and they saw your enthusiasm, was also a physicality of uh, the proximity of your event center where I assume the event actually happens. But then you've got Appleton Axe so close that competitors can warm up and practice, you know, within axe throwing distance, if you will, of the center, right? Yeah, this is going to be a unique venue for them. This will be the first time they will be able to put on the event under one roof. We have opened up our Fox Cities Exhibition Center. Um, we have 40,000 square feet concrete floor, just kind of a, a, you know, a true kind of black box space for whatever the group needs it to be. And, you know, this is an interesting mix of how do we come out of the pandemic and leveraging our resources. We all know in the industry, um, meetings and conventions have been a little bit slower to come back than some other markets. Um, we do very well in these uh, sports market, particularly in youth sports. We have a large youth sports facility here in the area as well. And we were seeing that the sports market was coming back faster. And so... After we cultivated to make sure the sports facility was programmed and, and full, we started looking at the exhibition center and saying, okay, well, while we're waiting for that cadence of meetings and conventions to come back in the traditional form that traditionally is housed in our exhibition center, let's look for some potential sports groups that could use this space. And there are a large number of sports groups who 
you know, just need a big kind of black box space. This was one of them. So normally when they go to a market, they have to put together three or four axe throwing businesses so they can put on their contest. This will be the first time we're going to house the whole thing under one roof. And yes, they will be able to practice and, and head down the street to Appleton Axe for the warm up rounds. But they're very excited because you know, they've never really been in an exhibition center or a convention center. You know, for them, it was an out-of-the-box thought. For us, it was just kind of, you know, doing business as usual because we, we tend to look at our exhibition center beyond just trade shows and beyond just conventions. And you just got to see what pieces of business really work in those spaces. Yeah. Well, so clearly part of your ability and one of the selling points to host this event is a facility for which you worked probably ever since you started at the Bureau, to secure public support. Tell us about the fight, and it was a fight. It was a slog. It, it went on forever to build and develop the exhibition center for the Fox Cities. Yeah, it was. I think I was in diapers when the conversation actually started. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's the tale as old as time, Bill. You've lived it um, in Madison. Mm-hmm. We lived it here in the Fox Cities over 30 years trying to build wow. a, a convention yeah. center. We have a large convention hotel in the heart of downtown Appleton that was built in the late 80s. Beautiful property called the Paper Valley Hotel, but we needed more space to just do some sheer exhibition type things. Our groups were outgrowing the Paper Valley. And I think there are some studies on my shelf that were done by my predecessors very early on when our organization was formed in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, and constantly it was convention center, exhibition space, convention center, what do we need? And that was the the constant mantra. So, yeah, it it, it was easy. You know, it only took 35 years and uh, (laughs) but we got there. And I, I have to say that it was an effort really that took place, you know, not just in the city of Appleton. We have a very unique positioning here in the Fox Cities. As I mentioned, we serve 19 municipalities, parts of three counties. Appleton, Wisconsin is our biggest municipality. We're about 35 miles south of Green Bay, if people aren't familiar with us. And all we had to do was get 10 different municipal boards to come together, agree to raise the room tax and provide funding to a building in downtown Appleton in in downtown of one of the communities. So it was a real easy conversation. Didn't take much time at all. (laughs) But what was the key to the win ultimately? I mean, was it just persistence or did the right players come together? How did you finally get the ball across the finish line. The right players and the right mindset. And I think, you know, what we've been talking about lately is how DMOs can look at themselves in different roles and not just the marketing role. We were definitely an advocate and a convener of the different perspectives. Um, I think when finally the CVB for many years, in fact, when we were founded, we put a portion of our room tax revenue into a, what we call our tourism development grant fund. So it it doesn't go into my operations. I can't use it to keep the lights on. And we've been doing grants and destination developments for 35 years. So that concept is not new. Currently right now in the Fox Cities, we invest about 1% of our room tax into future destination development projects, all vetted through the CVB's tourism development fund. And so we had that mindset of the CVB can vet projects. We can use room tax for this. We, we know destination development is a good thing. And this was really just getting the right people in the room. We had a local business leader who really took up the yoke 
to get people talking again. And then it was the former mayor of Appleton, Tim Hanna, who really said, we need to do this. We updated a couple studies. We really want to do this. And then the CVB came to the table as really just saying, we're going to support this, but we're going to make sure we get community-wide support. And it's not just going to be the city of Appleton going it alone. And so there was a group of us that really got together and said, let's do this. But kudos to my municipal leadership, because as I said, it's 10 municipalities. Our local room tax was five or 6%, depending on the municipality. We formed a tourism zone in 2018, raised the room tax in all 10 of those municipalities to 10%. Uh, 3% of that 10 funds the bonds on the Fox Seas Exhibition Center in Appleton. So it was a collaborative effort. And it took about two and a half years. At, well, we've been thinking about this for 35 years. It took about two and a half years in that final goal line run to get from we're really going to do this to get all the municipalities on board, get the funding model correctly, and get the project sort of started. Yeah, you said community support. And not in every case, I'm sure, but it also was that way, as you know, uh, for us in Madison, uh, almost 30 years ago, as we tried to pass through referendum, um, the Monona Terrace Convention Center. And, you know, it never worked when we would say to people, you know, we're the state capital we should be hosting like all of the state association meetings at least every other year. And we can't, and we're losing business and losing business means nothing to Joe and Jill public. And honestly, it was one of the people that we would send out on the stump, usually to residential groups and neighborhoods. And she hit upon this amazing concept to bring the community together again. She would hearken back. She'd say, remember when we were kids, how cool downtown is? And they'll go, yeah. She goes, well, downtown sucks right now. She goes, if we build this, that's what our downtown will look like. It'll be like when we were kids again. There'll be life. There'll be businesses. There'll be restaurants. It'll be fun. And they all went, oh, I never thought of it that way. And when we saw her do that a few times, we all went, oh, we all got to change our story here because nobody gives a damn about we're losing business to other communities. So it is about community support every single time. So beyond the Exhibition Center, we've always been impressed with that grant program that you had that was funded by a piece of the room tax. You've always dedicated that, so it's it's nothing new. Tell us about how that program has allowed the DMO to have a lasting impact on the community economy. I mean, beyond the Exhibition Center, you have funded some amazing development throughout the region. Absolutely. We've reinvested over $10 million. And the the $10 million, it does not include the Exhibition Center or our Community First Champion Center. Those are big, both $30 million projects that were funded with additional room tax. But we've reinvested over $10 million in smaller projects through the community. And again, when we're talking now about being a community shared value and what we bring to the table from tourism, what can tourism do for your residents? Our tourism development grant program illustrates what tourism does for our community every day here in the Fox Cities. We have given grants for, uh, we have a large uh, rails to trails kind of project called Loop the Lake, uh, four trestles that go over the Fox River and Little Lake Butamore on the south end of our area in the Fox Crossing, Nina and Menasha. And that project is a great amenity for visitors but it's an amazing quality of life project for our residents. They love it. It is one of the most popular destinations here in the community. Yep. And there's a sign on the Loop the Lake Trail 
that says thank you to the Fox Cities Convention and Visitors Bureau who helped fund all five of these trestles. And that right there helps us tell that story that we've done trail projects. And, and the unique part about our grant program too, it was specific to capital projects. And we also did some signage and wayfinding projects, but very few other types of grant programs fund capital projects, you know, additions to museums to make more exhibit space, the ability to bring in signature exhibits. So um, we've done a million dollars to our Fox City's Performing Arts Center when it was being built in downtown Appleton. So it, it was a very tangible way for us to show, see, when we generate tourism here in the Fox Cities and those guests pay that room tax, the money then we can reinvest here and make our community better for all of us. And it's been just an incredible way of the community seeing how tourism can make their life better and does make their life better. Yeah. We've always said no project that we invest in is 100% tourism, right? There's always a balance of if it's great for visitors, it's great for quality of life. So we've done um, you know, sports facilities, uh, soccer fields, baseball complexes that, again, help us bring in tourism dollars, but also provide the local youth areas to play. And, and so f- really that, that grant program through the eyes of our municipalities and our residents, they see the value of tourism in their lives every day. Yeah. And especially when it comes to youth sports, as you said, soccer, baseball, I mean, those are amenities that locals use more often than tournaments. And yet your grant program allowed the Fox Cities to become a real powerhouse in sports. You weren't before those facilities that you helped fund were built. Absolutely. And we knew we needed to make those investments. And it's kind of the social contract you make with your stakeholders and with your community saying, we're going we're gonna to build this. And yes, during the week, it's awesome. Let's let the community come out and play. And But on the weekend, we're going to hold this to drive tourism dollars. And, um, you know, we've had great success with a number of facilities. Uh, from the CVB standpoint, it's been, you know, uh, a popular program and we continue to nurture it. And I think it's always easy, you know, it's always easy to talk about now looking back that we've been doing this since we were started. And, I, you know, I highly recommend that investment. It must, it has to be made. Certainly from our standpoint, it's easy investment because we've never missed the money because it's we've always just put it away. When you're starting a program like that from scratch, it can be a real struggle at first right. to say, okay, we're going to take a portion of what is our operating revenue and we're going to set it aside for that type of investment. But it is the return is so great. You know, we've found that by just investing in these facilities, it has increased our operating revenue because we've been able to generate more tourism due to the investment. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the uh, World Axe and Knife Throwing Championships. I mean, so cool. It's time for your bonus round question. We've heard over the past couple of years of doing DMOU, some pretty interesting and at times hilarious stories from guests on this show on how they stumbled into this crazy world of destination marketing and leadership. So what's your story? How did you come here? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. You never, um, I look back and you think, I never thought I'd be doing this. I majored in journalism with an ad PR emphasis and I had some marketing careers, but I think it came about in, in two things. I always had, always worked in, in advocacy and government relations, uh, first as a, with a beer wholesaler, Wisconsin beer wholesalers, national beer wholesalers. And so I saw the, the connection between sort of business and economy and, and how we can make the community better. That was great. I, you know, working for a, a beer wholesaler has a lot of pluses. Let me tell you that. Um, 
<laughs> and I learned random things like how to handicap uh, drag racing at a racetrack. It's just all kinds of random knowledge that I wow. have. But uh, okay. yeah, and then from there, I moved to Schneider National, a very obviously prominent um, international company, but obviously one we know and love here is the Big Orange Trucks in, in Wisconsin and worked in corporate communications. And what I found with this position, I always knew of the CVB because when I was at the Budweiser Wholesaler, I would, you know, cross paths with their staff on community events and and other things going on in the community. And even then, I still didn't know the impact that the CVB had on the community. And I think what I was looking for in my career was that perfect mix of how can I you know, continue my career, work in business, but have something more. And that's what we all, I think in the DMO world, and I know certainly my staff is they see it as, I feel like I'm making my community a better place and I'm, I'm able to give back in a different way. Yeah. So to me, this is like, this was where I was meant to be. Yep, There's absolutely. definitely a personal satisfaction making the community in which I live, in which I've raised my family um, a better place and contributing to that. And then truly working with what I would argue are some of the best economic development people in the state of Wisconsin here in my municipalities um, who've really accepted tourism as a part of that whole economic development world. And I've always had a seat at the table and they've always recognized what we can do as part of that whole partnership. So that's sort of the the story and uh, and not, not really anything exciting or too fun, but that's what it is. <laughs> well, and it doesn't have to be exciting or fun. I Honestly, our paths are somewhat similar. I stumbled into destination marketing because I needed a job. I, I'd just been let go by the local radio station that I'd worked for forever. And just like you, I knew the Bureau because we had done some promotions with them when I was at the radio station. And honestly, within probably three months, I knew I was home. And I, I was kicking myself for not having, you know, reached out earlier and say, hey, you got a job and done it sooner because my mom always taught me to give back. And I wasn't giving back in radio. I mean, I was brightening people's yes. mornings and, you know, I, so there was there was that. But at least I hope I was. But now I knew I was. For most of us, that's what gets us, grabs us, holds us and won't let us go. So. Very cool. You know, I left a wonderful job in corporate America, in corporate communications. I took half the salary to, you know, it's not always about the money, but I, I took half the salary, which was a gut check moment uh, with young kids at home yep. because I felt that sense of connection in this position and that I could do something that was bigger than just, we're going to make some money for the organization. You know, there's a feeling of we can do we can make our community a better place. And you just feel it when you get here that this was the right decision for you. And that's what I've always felt since I've been here at the Fox City CBB. Well, Pam, congratulations on landing the World Games and leading the renaissance of the Fox Cities. It was great hanging with you at Toronto. And I look forward to seeing you at the Upper Midwest Conference in Champaign, Illinois, a little later this month. And I understand you're off for vacation as soon as the mic goes off. So have a great vacation. I am. Um, thank you for having me. And yes, looking forward to a great vacation in Wisconsin's Northwoods. All right. That sounds perfect. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers. This is where the best and the brightest get together to tell inspiring stories for DMO pros. And thanks too to our sponsor, Destinations International, which has just released the first ever EDI assessment tool designed for DMOs 
to understand how equity, diversity, and inclusion has been incorporated into operational practices as a basis to improve and integrate performance. To learn more about this amazing new tool, go to the homepage of destinationsinternational.org and click on the EDI link. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find more on our services for the DMO world, our book destination leadership, plus links to past editions of the Z News and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, not to mention links to earlier episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.